Do you know what it takes to move good to great? Are you almost where you need to be but not quite there yet? Find your way to success today. Welcome to the James Stentley Show with Dr. James Stentley. We've got the tips and guidance you need to propel your success to the next level. Now, here's your host, Dr. James Stentley. Welcome, everyone. We are back, man. I mean, it must be Friday in time for Inspired to Speak with James Dentley. Look, I'm excited uh, for so many reasons. So many incredible things are happening through the country right now. People are getting vaccinated. Vaccinated. I've got both of my shots. I'm excited, feeling good. No side effects whatsoever. So I'm going to encourage each and every one of you to go out there and just make it happen. Let's make this world safer so we can get back out there and be a community of hugs. So let's just get a little closer, if nothing else. And remember, uh, on Friday, we talk about possibility. And we don't think outside the box because there is no box. And when there's no box, there's only possibility. Look, I'm excited for many reasons. You know, we're coming up on the launch of JD3 TV. Uh, we're coming up on the launch of our new app, our new one and done app that we feel is just going to change the scope of the world as it is right now. So we're excited about that. But I'm really excited about this show because I have the pleasure to introduce a very, very special guest. I met him several years ago and he has inspired me to to step into my imagination, to get out of the poverty of imagination and the weakness of attention. It lays a focus on where the world is and more importantly, where it's going and how to get in front of that. Today, I want to introduce each and every one of you all to Jay Allen Savick. Now, first of all, as you know me, if you know me well, you know I don't read entire bios, but I've got to read a lot of this bio because Jay is an international best-selling author. He is a dynamic entrepreneur and entrepreneur. Uh, he's widely recognized as one of the world's leading experts on disruption and innovation. Uh, Wired Magazine said he had the coolest job in the industry. He's raised hundreds, raised hundreds of millions of dollars. For startups, he sells companies to Fortune 500 companies. He transforms entire industries, revamps government institutions, and impacts lives of so many people. I mean, you can't even count them if you had your calculator. For three decades, he continues to be on the forefront of global trends. And we're going to talk about a lot about that today. Now, everyone from the Pope to the president, they call on Jay Samick to, to help orchestrate positive change in the area of endless innovation. He's a former NASDAQ company CEO and independent vice chairman of Deloitte. Uh, Jay Samick has helped grow pre-IPO companies such as LinkedIn, helped senior, senior management of EMI, Sony, and Universal Studios, pioneer breakthrough advancements in mobile video, robotics, internet advertising, e-commerce, social network, e-books, digital music that are used by billions of consumers every single day. Look, first of all, it's time for everybody on this line to share because we're also streaming on social media. So share, share, share. Uh, you have to get this information. I want you to understand some of the people that he partnered with and some of his associates that he works with. I mean, the who who's list of innovators. Okay, Bill Gates, Steven Spielberg, Richard Branson, Steve Jobs, Reed Hoffman, David Geffrey, Paul Allen. I mean, it goes on and on and on. His book, uh, his famous, incredible, best-selling book, Disrupt You, was published in 
10 Language, and his new book, Future Proofing, uh, 12 Truths to Creating Opportunity, Maximizing Wealth, and Controlling Your Destiny in an Uncertain World. I can go on and on and on. This change agent works with some of the top companies in the world, whether it be Adobe, Amazon, American Express, AT&T, Best Buy, Facebook, Coca-Cola, Disney, Google, McDonald's. Okay, you heard it. That's enough right there. Look, I just got to bring him to the show. I know you heard enough of me. Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, James. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for helping me uh, verify my reading abilities. (laughs) That bio just means I'm old. Um, (laughs) And you look better than I do. Oh, my goodness. I got to tell my wife, we got to get on top of this. (laughs) Well, look, first of all, I'm thankful that you're here, that you're spending this time. I'm excited about your work. I'm a fan of your work, a believer in the work, and of you as an individual. I met you in Los Angeles the first time, and the last time, I think we were in New York. And you were yep. speaking, and I I have more notes when you're speaking to try to bring back a glimpse of the things you know. But Jay Samick, I want our audience to get a feel for really who you are. So if you don't mind, can you share a little bit about your story? Who is Jay? Right. How did you come up, and how did we get here? So came from a middle-class family, bought into society's promise that if you go to school and get good grades, you live happily ever after. Yeah. And I came out of school and there was a recession. There's no jobs. What happened to this promise? Why did I do all that studying? And if you would have told me when I was young that dozens of my friends would become self-made billionaires, that's with a B, I'd have to say, what are you smoking? Like, I didn't know a millionaire. I didn't know what money was. I didn't understand that. But I had two sons when I was very young. Mm-hmm. And I looked down at them and I wanted them to have a better life. So I figured it out. And all that I'm now doing with the rest of my life is paying it forward. Because here's what you don't need to succeed. And in Future Proofing You, I dispel all the myths. People with higher IQs don't end up wealthier. People with four-year college degrees don't end up wealthier. The majority of billionaires didn't come from money. And there's a new self-made billionaire every 48 hours. So I don't know what you did last weekend, James, but you're a slacker. Um, So what is it? And if I want to sum up everything in, in the simplest point of view, you only need two things to be successful, insight and perseverance. Everything else can be hired. So if I can teach people where to find those insights, if you have problems in your life, that's a part, place to start. If you've got problems, you're halfway to success. Mm-hmm. And then perseverance, I really want to teach people how to take that perseverance and, and turn it into passion. And so my unique perspective is I've sat in the empty room and created companies that are billion-dollar companies. I've also taken over failed companies. I've sat in the corporate boardroom of companies that do $100 billion a year and, and, and run those. So I've seen it from all sides. So I can dispel the myths of, of there are no gatekeepers to your success. Mm. You know, the first book, which I know you loved and how we, we met over, Disrupt You, everybody wants to change the world, but nobody thinks of changing themselves. Yes. And that's where the change starts. When you shut off that voice that says, I can't, I'm not good enough, I'm not this. Your parents, your teachers, your well-wishers drilled that into you to shield you from the pain of failing. Mm-hmm. You can't succeed without failing. It's part of the process. A toddler doesn't wake up one day and go, I shall walk across the room. They stumble and fall. They stumble. If you play video games, have you ever sat down with a new video game and four hours later, you're through it? No. Yeah. You hit an obstacle and you hammer it. You find a way around it. And guess what? There's another obstacle behind it. Your most famous guys failed. Bill Gates' first company, bankrupt. 
Walt Disney's first company bankrupt. Henry Ford, go on and on. I will tell you that investors would rather invest in somebody that's had a failure than somebody that hasn't tried. So that's where I come from. And I'm not selling anything. You've Mm -hmm. seen me enough times. I don't sell mentoring. I don't sell coaching. I don't sell t-shirts with my face on it. (laughs) The only reason the books are for sale is I use publishers to get them out there. And as you said, I mean, I'm humbled by the response. Disrupt You is coming out this year in Urdu, Icelandic, and Polish. I can't make this up. It was number one in Vietnam. So these principles can be taught. I teach at uh, the largest engineering school in the U.S. I'm not an engineer. I teach how to build a high-tech startup. And I've had kids do $150 million the first year. Wow. 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 You know what? I want to talk about some of those stories because – the proof is in the pudding and you love to mentor, you love to share for those who will receive it and that are hungry for it and uh, and to enlighten people that don't even know it's there. So can you share with us uh, some sure. particular stories you have? Right? You have some cool stuff going on with some people and impacting their lives. You share that with us. So when I wrote a book, and if you have a book in you, please write it, whoever's listening, because it was the most gratifying experience. When you're a CEO of a big company, your inbox is, I hate you, I hate you, we're suing you, this problem, that problem. Every day you're a fireman, okay, doing your best, and you don't know where the blaze is going. When you write a book that enables people, I just hold up a mirror to your own capabilities. I'm not doing anything. And these people suddenly get great success. They write me wonderful notes. And I've heard from people in 140 countries. I say that because I don't know how it happens. But occasionally I would get an email that would say, this is all motivational, but I could never do it. And it turns out Jay Samet has very thin skin. Hmm. So this was obsessing me. Why was I not able to reach a certain demographic? So I said, let me try an experiment. I'll put my life's reputation on the line. I took a young millennial who grew up in welfare. He was an immigrant to this country, had no social network. He was Hmm. basically homeless. He was couch surfing at friends' house, had no money. And I mentored him one day a week for a year. The rules were I gave him no capital. I didn't introduce him to any contacts. And I didn't tell him what business to start, but he had to start a business that required no money. And spoiler alert, if you're going to read the book, close your ears right now, he becomes a self-made millionaire in 11 months. So I took those mentoring sessions and distilled them down to what I call the 12 truths. If you follow these 12 truths, you are guaranteed to have success. It's not easy. This isn't a get-rich-quick scheme. This isn't sit under a pyramid and lotus tree and and visualize. It's it's none of the, the hokum that so many of those gurus do. Yeah. What it is, is his name was Vin Clancy. Vin was willing to work harder than most people will for a year so he can live the rest of the life in a manner that most people can't. And I think that's a fair trade. Working hard won't make you wealthy. And going to a job that you're not growing, a job that doesn't pay you enough to live the way you want to treat your family the way they need to be treated. Well, think about that for a second. That salary is basically a bribe for you to give up on your dreams. And so what happens is you trade a day, you trade a week, you trade a year. One day you're going to wake up and be old and gray like we are and have given away the most precious thing you had, your life. For what? If you believe the purpose of life is to live a life of purpose, the sooner you start on planning and creating your own future, the longer you have to enjoy it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's so true. You know, I always say you can tell the future if you're willing to write it, live it and step into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that that is incredible. And, you know, we had a conversation a, 
few weeks ago, I was in uh, Florida. And uh, never forget, it was the, it was nice and sunny in Florida, and it was 30 degrees to blow in Chicago. I won't forget that. But we had this conversation, and you mentioned to me that you believe that the next three to five years, there'll be more billion-dollar companies created. Oh, absolutely. Here's the reason. <laughs> For most of history, you sold to people that were in a few miles of where you were, right? Mm-hmm. Now, your phone, you're one click away from seven billion customers. You only have to write for a nanosecond to make a million dollars or change the world. And if I went back in time, could you live today and run your your empire, James, without your phone? No way. Okay. So you're on that smartphone, if you're like the average American, five and a half hours a day. Knowing you, probably more. You probably talk to it and look at it more than your wife. Little advice there. Don't. (laughs) Anyway, now let's go back 10 years ago before Steve Jobs came out with the iPhone, right? The first year of the iPhone, I'll tell you two of the top 10 apps. One was a fart app, and you heard that right. Yep. And one was a game with cats, which is another way of saying nobody thought of all the apps that have become billion-dollar companies. Mm-hmm. Your, your Robin Hoods, your Open Tables, you go, your Ubers, go on and on. Now, what if I told you that starting the next three years, you're not going to be taking your phone out of your pocket anymore? And there's a new trillion dollar opportunity that no one has a head start on you. So we're all going to be wearing glasses mm-hmm. and they're going to have heads up display. So the information comes to us from the environment. That's why the 5G is out there. That's why everything's happening. But don't lose me on here. You don't have to be an engineer. Remember, Steve Jobs created the first trillion dollar company, never wrote a line of code. He wasn't an engineer. Insight, perseverance, everything else can be hired. So if you believe, and I'll convince everybody that's listening, says I'm never going to wear glasses, okay? <laughs> Last year in the U.S., 150, I mean, 80 million pairs of glasses were sold for $150 that came with one app, Focus. You want to read? You need that Focus app. You want to go to the beach? There's another 50 million pairs sold that came with an app called Sun, right? Sunglasses. So mm-hmm. now, if you can wear glasses that allow you to read any menu in any language and it translates it to you, or anybody can speak to you in the top 40 languages and you'll comprehend it because you'll be hearing it in English. If you can, don't remember where you parked your car at the airport before you went to Florida and you can just see a line that takes you right there. The apps are endless and they can solve many problems. But go with me for a second. If Google isn't owning the search and advertising on those glasses, Google goes out of business. If Apple isn't selling you these, Apple goes out of business and I can go on. So the big guys are spending billions and billions of dollars getting their giant piece. What they're not doing is creating the apps. Okay. What can this now solve? Imagine you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you, James, you got diabetes. So you go to the supermarket and so show me all the foods that don't have sugar and everything else disappears. So it's not just adding and subtracting. So many of these apps are being done right now. But there's so many problems that can be solved. Entrepreneurs do not sell things. They solve things. Solve for a few people, you have friends. Solve for a million, you become wealthy. Solve for a billion people, you change history. So this is one of those inflection points. I got, I'm on the wrong side of 50. I got to live through three revolutions. The PC, oh my God, that allowed us to have more processing power to do stuff. Then you stick the internet we're now connected to all mankind's knowledge of the past 10,000 years. Mm-hmm. And then you could take that mobile with you. 
to have more power than NASA had to put a man on the moon. And now the idea that it's going to come to you and you don't have to search for it. And at the same time, half of all jobs will disappear in the U.S. during the next five years. And not just blue collar factory jobs, your truck driver jobs, your lawyer jobs will be software. Your accounting and audit will be software. AI systems are going to place more and more jobs. As you raise the minimum wage, it tells boardrooms to automate more. I went into the McDonald's in the 1980s. Yes, I'm that old. And I looked at their, their cash register and it didn't have numbers on it. It had little pictures, little shake, medium shake, big shake. The average customer had greater literacy than the average employee. So I said to them, why not make a touchscreen? And then you can get rid of all those jobs, save money. And they're like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Nowadays, they raise minimum wage, going to McDonald's, you'll see kiosks. So, so the change is happening. What got you to this point in life will not propel you further. You're going to commit to lifelong learning. But the good news is there's nobody stopping you. There's, there's, there's nobody blocking your access to capital, nobody blocking your access to markets. Yeah. And post-pandemic, the greatest thing, it's the, the 12th truth in the book, remote workers are your new competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. You're not limited to the best people in your town to hire because you may not have the best people there. You can hire anybody anywhere and have a virtualized company. And that's what people are doing today. Wow. Wow. You said, man, you know what? I'm trying to take copious notes and, and then focus at the same time. I don't want to ignore the audience. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Look, we're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to talk about a new app that we have coming out, one and done. And this new event that's coming up April 23rd, 24th, 25th, which A, will be one of the featured premier speakers there. We'll be right back on the other side. Let's give it a minute. We'll come right back with Jay Simon. Introducing One and Done. Monetize your products, services, training programs, and content. Reach your audiences. Introducing One and Done. Introducing One and Done. Monetize your products, services, training programs, and... The following preview has been approved by JD3TV Media and Entertainment Company. It's time to accelerate your business with the 2021 Business Accelerator. The real superheroes are in this room! Your career and your life is going to be disrupted. But disruption isn't about what happens to you. It's about how you respond to what happens to you. We walk around all day long seeing services and stuff out there and saying, that could be done better. And you know what? You can do it. This is all about reaping and sowing it. The more you sow in yourself, the more you're gonna reap. Solve a problem, change the world. Harness the power of wonder. The world's most innovative people remove all their filters and open their minds. Imagine. When you say imagine, a brain will trail to whatever comes next. Get ready. It's time. Yeah! To accelerate. You're going to find a ton of resources. Do it. That's what I'm talking about. Inspired to Speak Business Accelerator featuring Alex Stern, John Shin, Danielle Winningham, Jay Samet, with Jeff Hoffman and James Dentley. Governments don't create jobs. It's you guys that hold the keys to our future. Let me show you something. Can you do this? Yes, let's do it. Register now at businessaccelerator.com. We are live on the red 
Do you know what it takes to move good to great? Are you almost where you need to be but not quite there yet? Find your way to success today. Welcome to the James Dentley Show with Dr. James Dentley. We've got the tips and guidance you need to propel your success to the next level. Now, here's your host, Dr. James Dentley. Okay, we are back, and boy, technology is just running amok today. Remind me of some of those crazy movies. We're right back with Jay Samick. Jay, you still there? There we Absolutely. are. Absolutely. There we are. We had some commercial technical difficulties, but that's okay. Wow, what happened? <laughs> we have a lot of exciting things going on with Jay, but I've got a, a question from a young lady. We also are streaming on Facebook and YouTube and Vimeo and on our, on our business platforms. Um, but Annette White has a question for you, and she says, um, what is the best piece of advice would you give to someone launching a SAA business that would disrupt the app market? Okay. I'll give you the same advice that works for virtually any business. And the same advice I gave this young man. Be the best at what you do or the only one doing it. And if you're the only one doing it, by definition, you're the best in the world. So, this young man, growing up as a millennial, he thought he knew social media. He lives his life there, everybody. So he wanted to do social media for people, like 40 million other people creating things. And I said, yeah, well, Coca-Cola isn't going to hire you while you're homeless. You know, you're not going to suddenly get some giant contract. And the people you know, they don't have any money. So what if you fill a void? One of my 12 truths is filling a void. Find something mm -hmm. that people are talking about. And now say you're the social media expert for that one thing. And that's what he did. And so in Harvard MBA speak, the second you get your first client, even if he did it for free, you now have what's called a case study. And then you show it. So in the first month, what somebody would pay him a couple hundred dollars to do for a week, he was getting $30,000 a month by month three from clients for the same amount of work because he'd proved not what it takes in his time, but what they make and the efficiency of working with them. So it's that simple. So whatever you're doing, this will surprise people. So, you know, you, you, you read a lot of my bio. It sounds like I'm a super competitive uh, guy in business. I'll tell you the truth. I hate competition. I'm terrified of competition. On any day, there's somebody smarter than me, richer than me, better connected than me, uh, just plain old better looking than me. I hate that dude, right? <laughs> So why would I want to compete? And I figured this when I got out of college. When I got out of college, I was like, wait a second. Every job you apply for, there's people that have done that job before. So by definition, tons of people have more experience. So I better go where there's nobody else and make my own path. The joy of living in this era of endless innovation is there's always something new. Where did social media experts come from? Where did Bitcoin experts come from? Where did all these experts... They just put up their hand one day, and then that you try to fight to hold on to that turf that you created as long as possible. At one point in my early days, I had seven of the top 10 selling video games in this country. Wow. That was early days of video games. When I saw the big guys coming in, spending billions of dollars, and I got an out-compete against Microsoft, I'm like, time to exit stage left. There's got to be something new. And the new thing was I was obsessed with the internet. You know, I created the first social network that hit a million people 10 years before Facebook. So there's, did I do as good of a job as Zuckerberg? Probably not. 
he's worth more than me. <laughs> but at that time, I was the best in the world doing it. <laughs> and was it very profitable? Yeah. I mean, I've taken companies. There was one company where, where the, the VCs had put $8 million into a company and it had 30,000 lifetime revenues. Right. They said, we're, we're pulling the plug at the end of the month unless you want to take it over. And I looked at it and I saw something in, that I knew made sense. It just didn't have the right team. 18 months later, News Corp bought it for $200 million. Wow. It's just insight mm-hmm. and perseverance. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. when I took this young man, and for people that are listening, the first truth, the hardest thing for people to get through is that you have to have a growth mindset. If you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. So when I had this young man and I had this audacious goal of could he become self-made millionaire in a year, I didn't have time for him to organically grow that confidence. So, and he didn't find what I'm about to tell you out until I let him read the book after it was typeset. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sent me a text like, ha ha. But in our first meeting, very first meeting with the young man, I lied to him. Mm. In psychology, there's an effect called the Pygmalion effect. A professor went to a school, tested all the kids, and told the teachers these three students would be super achievers, super learners, super growers this year. And at the end of the year, when they took the test, those kids excelled everybody in the school. But the professor lied. He never looked at the first test. He picked three names out of a hat. But if you tell people they're special and you treat them special, you'll get special results. So I told Vin, I interviewed over 100 candidates, and he was the only one that had all the attributes to be a self-made millionaire. When in fact, I only interviewed Vin, because if I cherry pick somebody, it kills the experiment. So once he had a growth mindset, when he hit an obstacle that most people would say, I'm not good enough, I failed, this was wrong, the business is wrong, he just pivoted. And a few months later, his business got broadsided by something that wasn't his fault, he couldn't have seen it coming, decimated. And I'm sitting there going like, there goes the book, you know, maybe a book about a guy who makes it half a million is okay, whatever. Um, But at our end of the month, his target for that month was to make $100,000. And he came in dejected to the meeting and goes, I only made $96,000. And I'm like, if he could have seen himself a year ago and said, would you ever be sad if you only made $96,000 in a month? (laughs) But that's the power of that growth mindset. Yeah. He just bounced back. It didn't. It didn't phase him. He pivoted the whole business. Yeah, you know, Les Brown once said, "If you treat a person as they are, they may remain the same. But if you treat them as they could be, they can grow into what they should be." Yeah, yeah. I love every, every every product you've ever bought was made by a stubborn person. Just let that sink <laughs> in. Any book you read, any movie, any 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 T-shirt, it doesn't matter. It's somebody that didn't quit. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing: you're going to fail. But when you fail, you don't end up where you start. You either earn or you learn. Mm-hmm. I failed more than most, but I kept going more than most. Um, the Japanese have an expression, fall down six times, get up seven. Right? Mm-hmm. And that explains how Jeff Bezos could lose money with Amazon year after year after year after year and come out the other side as the richest man in history. Right? Wow. So mm-hmm. you have to embrace failing mm-hmm. because failing is where you get the insights from. Everybody has an idea. Well, most ideas for business, and this is going to shock listeners, suck. Yeah, you heard it from me. Your idea sucks. Why? Mm -hmm. Because ideas are kind of obvious things. There's no depth. Once you get into it, once you start talking to customers, once you find out the tragic flaws, 
That's where the growth happens. So I tell people to kill their ideas, get everybody to tell you why it's so bad, because most entrepreneurs are destroyed by compliments as opposed to propelled forward by criticism. And when you find the idea that can't be killed, the zombie idea, as I call it, then go to raise money and money will be pouring in. So, so many people teach things that aren't true. And knowing who our audience is today, if you'll let me, I got to go on one of the 12 truths that just bugs me to no end. And maybe Please. there's some, dr- some drill sergeants out there that are going to disagree with me. And, I'm going to take uh, Have at it. <laughs> and as long as, as long as they don't come after me. I detest the people, the motivational guys out there that go, fear isn't real. Oh, fear's in your head. Fear's made up. Fear. Let me explain something biologically. The central core of our brain, the oldest part of our brain, which some call, refer to as the lizard brain, has a fight or flight response. Before any thought goes on, when somebody comes in front of you, your first instinct in, in less than the time that you can rationally think about, is this person trying to kill me? Is this person going to hurt me? This person try to eat me. I mean, that's the basic. Can't get past that. Mm-hmm. So you cannot make fear go away. Athletes take that fear and get adrenaline going so they can perform superhumanly. So many people don't start their business because they can't get rid of that fear. And they go, I have a fear of failing. I have a fear of being embarrassed. I have a fear of losing my money. I have a fear of losing other people's money. All legitimate fears. Mm-hmm. But if you're walking down the street and there's an 18-wheel semi tooting its horn because its brakes are out and it's barreling forward towards you, James, what are you thinking about at that exact second? Mm-hmm. You don't want to uh, die. Move out the way. Yep. Yeah. So, survival. So, so what you're saying is you can prioritize fears. Right. So now what you have to realize is what we talked about earlier. If you're giving away your life, if you're dying, if you're wasting this time on the planet because you're afraid of those other things, Keep that fear of the time slipping by Mm -hmm. top of your mind and you won't worry about what people think. You won't worry about those other things. Those are inconsequential. Now comes the best part. If you believe what I've just said is true and I'll show you the science and everything behind it, flip it. Because anybody you're trying to sell has the same fears. We're hardwired with them. Mm -hmm. So now, usually in the beginning of my career, I would go in, and I remember this one meeting with the CEO of Pepsi when I was quite young. I'm like, oh, my God, I've studied everything. This is life-changing. This is the future of my company. This was the most important meeting in my life. Oh. To the guy from Pepsi, I was the only thing stopping him from going to lunch. Not exactly engaged. But when I went in and I thanked him for making it on this date, I said, because tomorrow I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Wait, that's where Coke is. That's the competition. His mind's going... If Coke uses this and I don't and the board finds out, I lose my cushy job. Mm-hmm. I've got the fear response going. And that's how when no presidential candidate had ever advertised in social media, I got Obama and his three Republican competitors all to advertise with us because the campaign managers didn't want to lose their job if somebody else used social media and they were still doing TV. Wow. So once I told him I was meeting with all four, all four said, no, you can only work with us. I said, hey, you don't say that to ABC. <laughs> and that's how you do it. It's not mafiosa fear, you know, buy this or I kill you. <laughs> it's letting people realize that the bigger the company you're talking to, the driving force of senior management, and I've been a public CEO, so I can say it now because I'm not going to be one again, is self-preservation. Yeah. That's all they care about. 
They got to that corner sweep. They don't know how. They don't know what they're doing there. And they know they're not there for a long time. So their job is to rape and pillage as much money until that gig's over because they may never work again. Mm-hmm. Woo. Woo. You know, they say that some people are inspired more to what they stand to lose than what they stand to gain. Oh, absolutely. Every study shows that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, I'm thinking about the fight or flight. And if I can get our, our tech uh, engineer to balance these photos out, I'd appreciate it. I'm thinking about the fight or flight. And, um, you know, it, it just seems as though we intuitively know what to do. It's just our adrenaline telling us what to do. And then we second guess that, you know, we don't step into that truth at that moment. Um, I don't know. Wow. You know, I had another question that uh, someone sent in through social media. Uh, Angela wants to know, do you always recommend bringing in your own team when you work on projects? Oh, great question. Um, I don't have the hubris to believe that I know the brightest people in the world for everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people with a track record that have special skills, absolutely. I had the same chief marketing officer, CMO, at three companies in a row. And I basically said, if you don't come with me, I'll hunt you down because you're the reason why <laughs> we, we made the kind of success that we had. Um, but I will tell you that I've told this to employees for over two decades now. If you mm-hmm. work for me for a year and you do not make a mistake, I will fire you. Because mm-hmm. you learn from making those mistakes. If you're afraid to make mistakes, you're afraid to try. If you're afraid to try, we're not going to do anything new and we're going to go out of business. So, you know, look at it. And when you're hiring people, don't hire a mirror of you, you know, Human interviewing is very inefficient. We tend to hire people that we like. Well, mm-hmm. we like them because they're a mirror of us and they have the same skill set as us, where you want the opposite. Yeah. I will tell you this. I'm a big vision guy. I've invented a lot of stuff and do a lot of different things. But don't leave me an original of a contract on my desk because mm-hmm. I'll never find it again. So yeah. my right hand always has to be detailed. You know, there's two mm-hmm. types of people. Those that, that get joy, they have a list of what to do in the day. When they cross the last one off, they're thrilled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm the kind of guy that list never ends. Yeah. The mind can't, the mind's just <laughs> racing, right? If, if I ever tried to finish a list, you know, it wouldn't happen. So, so that's what I would say on it. And I also say, make sure you have a multicultural team. And I don't just mean in ethnic diversity, men and women, different countries. There's so many times that you don't realize what you have might be a great solution for a market far away. Yeah. And, and you'll learn that by finding out the problems that other have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I got another question here. Let me see. Uh, okay. Got it. Okay. All right. We're going to, Oh, good news. We're going to just, just eliminate the next commercial break coming up in four minutes and we're just going to go all the way through. Perfect. Um, uh, someone once said that ideas are welcome, but execution is, is worshiped. Um, can you kind of share in your opinion, how important is execution uh, when you're going towards a worthy idea? A lot of people have ideas of gander, but they never start getting it done. Yeah. I love all the people that walk around. I had the idea for Facebook. I had the idea for this. I had the idea for that. Yeah. Bozo. what do you do about it? Right. Uh, by the way, you can't patent an idea. People mm-hmm. don't understand that. It's the implementation of an idea that has value. So the acronym that I have in future-proofing you for people to learn, it's real simple. Move. Mindset. Obstacle. you got to find that obstacle that you're clearing. Void. Go somewhere and execute. 
That's, that's the sole steps. It doesn't matter what you're doing. And I've turned around and worked with airlines, with food companies, with, with music labels, with, I mean, the industry doesn't make a difference. What you're doing is the same. And I've done the mom and pop thing. Yeah. The other thing is we make too many decisions in our life based on ego. I think, I believe this feels right. When we live in a world that gives us endless amounts of data and data doesn't mean something from a computer, you know, data is looking at, at what's happening. I'll give you a great example. There was a guy who wanted to open a restaurant. Number one, most common business to fail in the U.S. Why? Because people go, oh, I've got a great barbecue recipe or I got a great egg roll recipe. The food, the menu is the least important part of a restaurant. Mm. So he looked at the data. Why do restaurants fail? Number one, if you have too many items and nobody orders the fish, there goes your profits. Yeah. So he said, I'm going to open a restaurant that only serves three items. I'm not going to have any waste. Okay. Number two, it turns out humans like to eat at the same time, lunch and dinner. So if I seat a party of two at a table for four, I can't monetize those two chairs. So you're only going to seat full tables. You wait at the bar until there's a full table available and you're going to sit with strangers. That's rule number two. Now he goes, this is the craziest restaurant ever. (laughs) <laughs> what's a concept that would get people to see past the three limitation items and sitting with strangers. And for 60 years, Benny Hanna's has been making a fortune. Wow. He didn't start and say, I want to make a Japanese restaurant. He said, what's a restaurant that won't fail? Uh. Look at the data. Another great example is don't fall in love with your business or your idea, <laughs> Right. You have a significant other for that. You can have children for that. A business is a means to an end, okay? Money is a means to the end. Money doesn't bring you joy. What you do with it can bring you joy, okay? So Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, for those that are young, before you could use your thumb to swipe, to to hook up, there were dating online. Mm -hmm. And it was a still picture, and you read about the person, you emailed each other, and many marriages came out of that. But when broadband came along, Three young men decided, we got the brilliant idea. We're going to make a dating site with videos so you can hear the person, see the personality. It was called Tune In Hookup. Flawless idea. Brilliant interface. Did engineering absolutely perfect. The first video, I kid you not, is a guy standing in front of the elephants at the zoo going, hey, here's why you should go out with me. Yeah. So tragic flaw with their business. They only got videos from losers. No one wanted to date these people. But they looked at the data and the data told them something that they didn't have in their business plan. Nobody wanted to date these people, but they sure as heck wanted to show their friends these crappy videos. So <laughs> tune in, hook up, change its name to YouTube, and they became billionaires the first year without a penny in revenue. Wow. Wow. Twitter was, Twitter was a music site. I can go on and on and on. So look at what you're learning because the only competitive advantage any business has in the 21st century is getting insight from your customers faster than the competition. Yeah. And if you think the big guys have teams and stuff, the big guys are drowning in data and not looking for any insights. I've run those big companies because they're, here's our one-year plan. Here's our two-year plan. Here's our, you know, they don't want to share their data from their division with the other division because then they'll get more funding and there's politics between their boss and the other. It's so easy to displace a hundred-year-old company because you don't have any of that. 
And now that people are used to the companies can be run virtually, you don't have to pay expensive rent or have a big edifice. You don't even have to be in a major city or a first world country. Yeah. And we see that with young people that are now becoming digital nomads. They have a job, but this month they'll do it in Hawaii. Next month they'll do it in Thailand. They'll go running with the bulls in Spain. They don't have to wait till they're old and one foot in the grave to go see this beautiful planet. Wow, this is uh, you know, I I really want to go through some of the other stories, but I want to go sure. back. I want to go back first because um, you know, people try things and sometimes they don't work, and sometimes there's so many things. Um, uh, silly putty, for example, so many things that were created by something that didn't work. Posted notes, all that stuff. When you started, um, you had a, you had created a um a lottery machine, yeah. right? Just a lot of. Yeah. Can you kind of share that story because from that, you know, you, you went through. I'll let you share your story. Go ahead. So, so I'm in my 20s. The, the world was, uh, we're back in the age when computers were like a green light that just had some letters on it and, you know, didn't talk, didn't have video, didn't have any of that. And California had a lottery contract coming up so the people could buy lottery tickets. And the current machine at that time was you typed in your numbers, you saw numbers, and you got a ticket. So I knew enough about technology. I was the first guy to put video on a computer. What if we have... A, a kiosk that stands there, like an ATM, that when you walk by, there's a motion detector. It goes, Psst, what would you do with a million dollars, right? And then you turn around and show fancy cars and everything on the screen. What if it said touch here in six different languages? So if you only speak Spanish or, or, or Chinese, you could do it. And you picture up. And then on top, there were scrolling LEDs with how much money this week. And the other guy had a little desktop thing that just had green little things that showed you the numbers, okay? Mm-hmm. I put every penny on the credit cards, everything that I had. Mine was the better machine. There was no way I was not getting this contract. My life, I could picture the money. I'm, I'm, I'm on the road. What I didn't find out till later, because the FBI had secretly videotaped it, was in a hotel room in Sacramento, a state legislature took a suitcase of $2 million cash from my competition, mm-hmm. and they won the contract. Now, I didn't know that at the time, but mm-hmm. at the end of that day, I'm up in Sacramento. They picked the other guy. Yeah, wow. I'm dumbfounded. I'm a young kid. I'm like, how is this possible? Are these people blind? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Every penny I had, I can't pay my bills. I can't do it. I fly back to LAX. I am so broke. I can't afford a cab home. Wow. And if you've ever been to LA, if you got on a bus, it would take you 16 years to figure out how to get anywhere. <laughs> but they used to have these information desks with these nice little volunteer little old ladies that would tell you how to do it. Mm-hmm. But by the time I got home, they'd gone home. Yeah. Now I'm broke. I don't know how to get home. There's no cellular phones back then. I'm as, as, as broken as you can be. But then it dawns on me, wait a second, those ladies go home. Why can't there be a kiosk that's there 24-7? Those ladies only speak English. There's 50 million visitors to LAX and most don't speak English. Yeah. What if it could print out instead of a lottery ticket, your directions so you could hand it to the cab driver or whoever. Mm. Well, if you've gone to an airport and gotten your tickets or checked in or done anything on a kiosk, that was the genesis of that. So it's from the embers that the Phoenix rise. You, you can't appreciate the sunset without the darkness. And what I've learned over this course of life is not to throw in the towel, but to look where else you can succeed. There's always another path. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that, and that's a great story because some people, you know, I'm going to give you a word. Tell me what, how that, how that word resonates with you. The word frustration. Oh, 
life is frustrating. But if you realize, so I have a thing in my book. If you want to make money, if you want to have great wealth, if you want a, a great idea for a business, here's the exercise for you to do. It's called three problems a day for 30 days. Okay. If you're frustrated, you're halfway to success because here's what it is. Remember, entrepreneurs don't sell things. They solve things. Nobody wanted to buy a quarter-inch drill bit. What they wanted was a quarter-inch hole, and an entrepreneur sold them a drill bit, okay? <laughs> so write down three problems in your life today. Uh, traffic, uh, whatever. Do it tomorrow. Usually by day two or three, people tap out. They're like, I don't have any more problems. Yes, you do. Mm. The problem is you're, you're so used to with having blinders on and going through the motions. We're on autopilot so much of our life that we're not noticing. Yeah. Um, a reader named Larry Torsky uh, uh, wrote me, he was doing the exercise and he was taking his morning medicine and the phone rang. Yeah. Gets off the phone. He's like, did I take my pill or didn't I take my pill? Mm -hmm. If I take too many pills, I could die. If I don't take my pills, I don't get better. <gasps> I got a problem. So then he, he ruminates about it and he says, take a Happy Meal watch. You know, something that costs a quarter, put it on the lid of the bottle. When you close, it says, oh, I opened it two minutes ago. Yes, I did. Or, oh, I opened it six hours ago. No, I didn't. Oh, let me add blue to it. Now I can tell grandma, hey, grandma, you forgot to take your pill this morning. You can call oh, her. No. And she figures out how you know that she's going to stop taking them and you'll call every day, as you should with your grandmother. <laughs> um, so what happens is at the end of the month, you'll have 90 ideas. Mm -hmm. Now, all you have to do is sort them on two axes. One is called TAM, Total Addressable Market. What has the most customers? Because if there's only two people who can use it, it doesn't make sense. When I teach this at a college, every semester, guaranteed, there's somebody who says, I'm going to make a food delivery service to the dorms. And I always say, that's a good business. There's 200 customers. Or for the same effort, you could create Uber Eats. Your choice, right? Addressable market. The second is, what are you passionate about? Tom Bilyeu, who wrote the foreword to Future Proofing You, and I know you know Tom, James. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. He had a successful software company, but yeah. there was no heart in it. It just made money. And, and he came from a family that had some morbidly obese people. Mm -hmm. And it bothered him when he looked at the ingredients on health food bars, you know, that they're basically candy bars. They're filled with corn syrup. There were 1,600 mm -hmm. health food bars on the market, and none of them were healthy. Yeah. So he and his buddies started Quest Nutrition and a few years later sold it for a billion dollars. Yep. What drove them to compete against 1600 was the passion to solve that for people. Yeah. Anybody can sell shoes, but when Tom's Shoes comes along and says, every pair you buy, someone that's never had a pair of shoes gets a pair. How does that make the customer feel? How does that make the employees feel? Today's millennials want to work at a company that stands for something, that shares some values, that's solving something meaningful. Yeah. The age of just endless capitalism, it's over. You can't have endless growth on a finite planet. So we're moving to sustainable capitalism. Mm -hmm. Tons of opportunities for great businesses because you know what? If you do it, the regulations are going to come. It's inevitable or we die. Yeah. So your competition is going to be way behind. Walmart figured out that after employees, their single biggest cost was electricity. So this changed all their lights to LEDs. They saved $100 million a year. Wow. But what they realized was more important was let's share our learnings with anybody, including competition. And now your customers appreciate that. So now Target literally has a Target on their back. What are they going to do? Mm -hmm. So now Target is the single largest user of solar power on the roofs of any business. Wow. So it becomes a virtuous cycle.
where each of us makes the world a little bit better. And that's why you want success. That's what money brings you. It brings you the ability to have positive impact. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some other questions here. Okay. Uh, people really uh, come in. They, they, you know, a person that doesn't have a, uh, they're trying to learn tech, they're older. They don't know where to go, how to start. I say Disrupt You is a good place to go. Uh, but um, where do they start if they want to learn more about this great, area? Yeah. Great and you question. Got some, and you had some great TED Talks, but go ahead. Okay. So, James, I got a question. Hmm? You fly down to Florida? Hmm? Yes. How does a jet engine make a plane fly? You're asking a person that did aviation for four years. How does a jet engine get a plane? Okay, to fly? I'll, I'll do a different one. Okay. <laughs> you used your phone to talk to me from Florida? Yes. Explain to me the communication protocol that allows a cell phone to talk to a satellite system, go through a landline and come out to a phone at the other end. I have no clue. You don't need to because there's people that, that do that job. Got so it. you don't have to know anything about tech to use tech. You're using a, a smartphone. That's a more complicated computer than what put man on the moon. Okay. So yeah. don't hide that. One of the 12 truths, and I love this question, is every business is a high tech startup. Every business. And if you're finding information using Google, if you're finding information by using your phone, if you're living on your phone, so are your customers. And if I play a game with you, and I'll tell you ahead of time, James, you're going to lose in the game, so don't take it personally. <laughs> Let's go. I'm, I'm going to go back 10 years to 2010, okay? okay. I'm going okay. to give you a million dollars if you'll put it on the most successful tech stock of the past 10 years. Go. The most successful tech stock in the past 10 years? Oh, geez. Keep, okay. keep rattling it. I'll give you okay. endless guesses. Uh, okay, Spotify was very successful. Uh of course, Facebook was very successful. No. Um, YouTube, uh, Google. Um, no. Okay. Apple, no. Oh, no. Uh, oh, wow. Turn them all over. I knew it wasn't the I'm trying to. Uh, it's a trick question. I told you every company is a tech company. The oh, number one geez. most successful tech company was Domino's Pizza. Wow. When they became app centric, the majority of the employees of Domino's work in IT. They got insights from their customers quicker. They could test market things regionally quicker. They could see price variances quicker. They could remove people. They could make a streamlined business. And if you want to know where that's going next, there's a startup in Silicon Valley that has a self-driving autonomous pizza truck that in the back is filled with ovens. The mm -hmm. oven calculates on Google how many minutes it takes to get to your house and turns on the oven so that it's done exactly when they arrive there. The roof opens and a little drone takes the box and land wherever you put a QR code on your backyard table. No employees needed. Okay. <laughs> so if Domino's could become tech centric, it doesn't mean you have to understand how the thing works. You were talking before we went on the air. I have clients that the big tech companies that we know mm -hmm. that are making all the AR glasses. By the way, the reason for 30 years that I know how to predict the future, I hang out with the people that are coding it. Um, so one of those big companies, I won't tell you which one, actually has working contact lenses. Okay. Give you a heads up display, everything that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely amazing. And when people ask me, what's the technology? I'm like, witchcraft. I have no idea either. <laughs> I mean, I've been in tech my whole life. I can't write a line of code. I can hire people that can. 
So don't be intimidated by what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Wow. Most wow. engineers want to get a job. I'll tell you a, a great example. When I started my first business, I started with $1. I got out of school and I mm-hmm. saw a movie called Star Wars. You might have heard of it. Mm-hmm. And it blew my mind. And I go, that's what I want to do as a grown-up. I want to make Hollywood special effects. I didn't know anybody in Hollywood. I don't know anything about special effects. I don't know anything. So for my $1, I created a production company called Jasmine Productions. J. Allen Salmon, it was mine. Mm-hmm. But I knew nobody would hire or risk their feature film production on a 21-year-old kid. You could hire George Lucas and ILM for gazillions of dollars, but there's a lot of low-budget things. So I went out and made myself just head of sales of this company, mm-hmm. and I hustled, and I got some work on features. I don't know how to do any of it. I never had to. Because yeah. then I can hire the people that just want to have a job. When you have a job, what you're working for is making someone else's dreams come true. Let that sink mm-hmm. in for a second. So got to work on tons of movies. Got to do tons of stuff. Do I know how it works now? If, if we're now past statutes of the limitations, I'll tell you the funniest thing. There was one commercial that AT&T wanted to do back then using 3D computer graphics. Mm-hmm. They're basically outside of like MIT labs. There were no 3D computer graphics back then. So all the big guys were turning the thing down and they had a huge budget. So I said, yeah, we can do it. So I basically hired a bunch of Hollywood animators to do a cartoon to look mm-hmm. like computer graphics. No one had ever seen 3D computer graphics before. So it didn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. Not only did the client like it, they won a Clio. That's the Oscars for advertising for that commercial. And I didn't have the heart to ever tell them, well, by the way, you won for breakthroughs in computers. We didn't use any. Um, so there's always a way. Mm-hmm. And I know you've heard my speeches on this topic before. The favorite source of funding for your business, mm-hmm. OPM, other people's money. And by that, I don't mean investors. Mm-hmm. I'm about to tell you people that will give you millions of dollars that don't want to pay back. And they don't want a piece of your business. Ooh, you're listening now. <laughs> your business is solving a problem. Yep. There's somebody else that wants to reach that same audience. So I'll give you my example that comes to top of mind. I was tasked with turning around Sony and launching a competitor to iTunes after iTunes was out there and killing it. Yeah. iTunes had a $100 million a year marketing budget. My marketing budget was zero. Mm. So what do you do? I said, okay, who out there has a problem? Well, that year, the movie Super Size Me came out. McDonald's sales were down 9% for the first time ever. Ooh, they've got a huge problem. So now all that I have to do is how do I connect the dots from my music store to McDonald's having a problem? Yeah. Buy Big Mac, get a free track, put the code on the box. McDonald's spent $60 million on TV commercials and drove to, because I had to come to my store to redeem the track drove 20 million paying customers to my store the first week it was online. Wow. My cost of doing that, nothing. Nothing. Wow. But, you know, you know what? We've got a the, the show on Voice America is about to end. Um, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Thank you for listening to The James Dentley Show. Be sure to join James for another inspiring show next Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you here next week.